Welcome to the Contractor Success Forum. Today we're discussing what's going on in federal contracting. We have with us Stephen Brown with McDaniel Whitley Bonding and Insurance Agency. And we have Wade Carpenter, Carpenter Company CPAs. And Rob Williams with Irongate Entrepreneurial Support Systems. And we are the Contractor Success Forum discussing how to run a more profitable, successful construction business. And today we're talking about what is going on in federal contracting. Wait, have you been wondering about this? I can't wait to hear this one. Absolutely. It's getting over COVID guys and listeners. You can't get it through the camera, but Wade, thank you for coming. Yes. (laughs) COVID surviving man. You look like a movie star. I'm telling you. Yeah. I don't know about that, but yeah. Anyway, thank you about everybody actually watching the podcast instead of listening. But anyway, I, Stephen, I know you you went up to Washington D.C. I believe what did the I did a couple of weeks contracting went up to the state's capital, flew up there, had no problem. Flights canceled coming back, so a bunch of us rented a car, and uh, we thought, well, it's eight and a half nine hours from D.C. to Memphis, so we'll just pull an all nighter. Each person only has to drive three and a half four hours a piece, so it's no big deal. Let's just gut it up and knock it out well uh we did and uh, we're all four of us are still recovering from that massive road trip to get home from dc but let me tell you guys it was a great trip it was the associated general contractors fedcon they call it which of course stands for federal contracting but it's all things federal contracting to contractors things you want to talk about things that are going on legislative updates that you have to know about and then what's coming out from the different government entities that release this contracting. And also to see what the AGC does for their base of members. A lot of politicking is involved in getting these projects off the ground and also getting them done in terms that are palatable to the contractors to do the work. So the AGC's got 26,000 members nationwide. I think they've got 170 student groups, mostly in engineering schools. These are students. It's a plug for the AGC, but there's so much that organization gives to its members. It's very impressive. And I think if you're doing federal contracting, the information was worth its weight in gold. So Wade just wanted me to tell you all about this and what I got from it. Yeah, I've been so interested. I keep reading on the news and the TV. It's okay. We've got all these things to spur the economy now. But then people are saying, well, where is it? What's happening? What's going on? Why are we not seeing all this? And the conversations on your end are just... That's really interesting because, you know, you talk about the backlog and you talk about the projects just waiting to go out. Of $75 billion with the big dollars of contracts. You've got contracts from last year that haven't been bid yet. And then you have all these shovel-ready projects. They call them shovel-ready because they've been on the books. The contractors know about them. The work has to be done. And the government just put it off and put it off and put it off. And now these shovel-ready projects that you think you know the budget for if you're a government contracting person is out the window. No, we can't do it. And In this dialogue that we were having at this convention with the government contracting officers and the general contractors, there was just a lot of disconnect. And a lot of the government contracting officers were saying, we got jobs that we received no bids for, not one bid. And that just doesn't happen. Somebody always throws out there a Hail Mary type of number that they can do it for. But in today's 
contracting environment, it's so stressful for the contractor to determine a price when they don't know the price. So how much risk are they willing to take? And that's the key. How much risk are you willing to take? And for whom are you going to take that risk? <laughs> Just like we're talking about in the pumpkin plan for contractors, there are certain projects and owners that are just the perfect fit. And it's the same with government contracting. That's one of the key things I got from this was just this disconnect. And every one of the entities, contracting entities are saying, we've got to be more apparent. We've got to be more helpful. We've got to work more with, and the contractors going, yeah, I heard that before. (laughs) Really? But this is at a point where a lot of people lose these jobs. Politicians expect these jobs to be done especially in their district. They're funded. We want them done. What's going on? So I thought y'all might be interested in just hearing about some of the legislative things that they're fighting about quickly, but also what's being done about this problem we've got going on right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm dying to hear. All right. Legislatively, there's things like project labor agreements. These things are going to be required for every job over $35 million. And it's certainly harder for a a non-union contractor to meet these guidelines, but that's something that the AGC is fighting. They're fighting it on Capitol Hill, tooth and nail. The Department of Defense says, hey, we don't recognize these. Don't bring us into this political stuff. We've got the military to run. Get out of our way. And they're getting away with it because they have to. And then OSHA fighting OSHA on some things. This thing that's most interesting to me is they've got a new heat standard on federal projects and it's triggered at 80 degrees. And we got a big kick out of that uh, being from Memphis. We have to stop right here in my office right now. It's kind of warm. I better check the temperature because I might need to go home, but 80 degrees, really? It's going to be. Oh my gosh. Seriously? Uh, They seriously said you got to stop at 80 degrees? Yeah, well, I mean, that triggers a possible OSU violation. So uh, these federal regulations have to be stopped by someone that that don't make sense, and that's the AGC. Everybody believes that hydration is important, and but mandating at 80 degrees, all these procedures have to kick in place. That'll end construction everywhere but the North Pole, I think. Yeah. (laughs) There's kind of crazy stuff out there. Then there's new forklift standards that are out that if you have an old forklift you're using, you've got to document how that is as safe as the new one. Okay, so you say, well, who cares? Who cares about this? Well, you care when you get a fine and it keeps you from getting a job. That's when you care. And who fights OSHA? Well, the AGC helps fight OSHA for you. Now, you can get attorneys and fight OSHA yourself, but, you know, that's one of the perks of membership. Okay, that's my plug on that. All right, then we talked about the supply chain issues and, and government contracting. There's basically most of them are showing a 10% flexibility in the prices you quoted and the escalation. So kind of 10% range is the gut feeling I got, or which you can go back to the contracting officer and work with them. But you've got to have your facts and figures together to go to them with that data if you expect to get a, an increased change order on the project. Yep. We talked about that. So that's the legislative stuff. And then the Water Resources Development Act is getting ready to get passed. And that's a lot of money. We don't think a lot about water here in Memphis because it's just not a problem yet. 
we got this giant aquifer right underneath us. We're very fortunate to have that. But some people just aren't getting water at all. And the Department of Natural Resources and Reclamation, they're in charge of providing water. And you would not believe what's expensive to live in California. Part of that is because they have to get water. And it's very expensive. And when we're talking about gas being $6 a gallon, what's water per gallon? Nobody ever thinks like that unless you live in California and you don't have water. So this is huge. Then we got another issue to find out. We've got all these dams and reservoirs that create hydroelectric power, all the benefits of a dam. There's 2,900 dams out there. And most of them were built from the mid-50s to the mid-70s, guys. And they're starting to fail. So there's got to be money pumped in, and it has to be there. This is going down. Another thing that I thought y'all might want to know is that most of the contracting dollars for developing a construction project funnels through the United States Army Corps of Engineers. And we've talked about this before. And then there's NAVCON, Naval Facilities Contracting. But these are military folks. The projects get done. There's a reason why they do it. And the general of the Corps of Engineers has got this whole marketing program of the castle that represents the Corps of Engineers. Notice now the drawbridge is down and all the windows are open. We're transparent. And they signed a new partnership with the AGC. They're trying to say, hey, the buck does stop with us. And we're going to be more adaptive and we're going to be more reasonable and we're going to do what's right and what makes sense to get the job done. And it's amazing, guys, what a general can get done. Those guys, they get stuff done. So you can see why most of the $75 billion is running through the core and NAVCON. So if you say, well, that's who's doing all the money, then how do I get my hands on these jobs? How do I start doing stuff? I guarantee you there's a government job that you're perfect for doing out there. But you got to register on sam.gov and you got to get on their radar so they can find you and then you got to find the projects. So we have that on another website, how to do federal contracting. But that's one way to do it. One question, Stephen. You told me somebody showed up at the meeting just to ask some questions because they weren't getting answers. Can you talk about that? Yeah, there was a fellow from one government division that showed up at the Corps of Engineers discussion because it was right there in Washington, D.C. And they thought, well, I'll just duck in on this meeting and get some help. I really applauded him for doing it. It was like, I'm ripping my hair out. What do I do? And we were all sitting there watching it, thinking, yeah, this is dysfunctional. When you've got the government and you've got these entities that aren't talking to each other, that's scary. And so they consider the Corps of Engineers' plan of doing business the best way to get a project completed. And that's it. I keep thinking, Stephen, it's so unfathomable that they're not getting bids and you just think, well, just go bid something, put it in. What are these contractors saying? Is it because they're just too afraid of the government bureaucracy or is it mostly because of the material and the pricing and they don't know whether to put 50% or 10%? I'll I'll say this. A number of those projects seem to be with overseas projects. Oh, yeah. Getting a hold of the supplies and then the length of the project, the complexity of it. It's okay. We do that all the time. Yeah, we can do this work here and there. 
But hey, think about the Navy guys. Their bases are all over the world. So NAVFAX spends a lot of money and the Corps does a lot of work for the Navy and for the Marines and for the Air Force. And so all these military organizations, they have normal maintenance and stuff that needs to be done all the time on their bases. But there's also, just like us, they need new buildings. They need new infrastructure. They need new water lines. They need new HVAC. It just doesn't stop, guys. Well, I know we did a couple of episodes on the federal contracting, and I think we've said before that when there's a lot of competition, there's not always a lot of profit. But from some of the contracts I've heard from this infrastructure project, I've got some out doing it at the Atlanta airport. They're making stupid profits on these things. Well, so, you can make your profit if you can do the work. The money's there. So you just got to get in there and go after it. It's my take on it. As a listener, you've got your own opinion on it, and we'd love to hear about it. I do wonder, Wade, how are your clients doing this when the job is going to be two years off? How do they predict the cost of concrete? And what happens there? Maybe Or it takes two years, not just two years well, off. And you got vendors giving you a 48-hour bid. Yeah. Yeah. How do you deal with that? What is the government's point of view when they do that? What concessions, what contract provisions? They don't care. They're giving you a little bit of leeway in the pricing fluctuation. And when the government stops a job, they give you time for that. But it still costs you money. When you go work on a military base, you got to get your whole crew on base. And I just know from visiting that job at Andrews Air Force Base a couple of weeks ago, how much trouble it was just to get guests on the base. The base shuts down and there's certain hours and it's their way or the highway. As you get used to that, you know, you got to build those costs in. You can't eat those. I did a lot of the housing at the Navy bases. And now the good thing is we didn't really have anybody stealing anything. That was one thing. We had some serious security around that job. So, of course, we were the only contractor. I guess if there had been two or three of us building next to each other, we would have stolen from each other. So we still had a problem, but. It was just me framing them. And if you understand how to play by the rules, and they go out of their way to help you learn how to play by the rules, you get paid like clockwork. So that stress is gone. So, you know, all these pros and cons of, ah, no, I'm not getting it. Man, I, I tried to do a job or I subbed a job. You kind of have to rethink that right now because there's a lot of money out there. Mm. At least that's my take on it. Yeah, I guess you get paid because I know I didn't get paid on one of my, but it turns out it was a public-private project. So that gets confusing. I didn't realize the factors that were in there. I thought it was just, I was a subcontractor. Yeah. Yeah, it got ugly. It was really slow pay. One other thing I wanted to tell you that I thought y'all might find interesting is that their goal of these small business and set aside business goal for government contracting is 11%. So 11% of $75 billion. And that's their goal for 2022. And it's 15% by 2025. So it's not going away. I thought y'all now, might- what, now explain that to me. Am I hearing that right? They're, what is 11 of those contracting dollars? Or set aside for small business. Oh, set aside. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Here's the breakdown. I figured y'all would appreciate this. Okay. Right now, this is as of 2020. They didn't have data for 2021 available yet. 2.8% of government contracting work is done by Asian Pacific. 1.7% 
is African American owned, 1.8% is Hispanic, 2.7% is Native American, 0.5% is other minority owned, and 15.6% is small business. And remember, small businesses can be huge. Yep. So what is small business in the contracting? We mentioned that you literally go in when you put your NAICS number in there and it tells you for your uh. type of business. Now, here's the good news. They used to develop it over three-year average and they just passed the law where it's five years. So people that may have grown out of being a small business may be eligible again based on that five-year rule. So guys to say that they are desperate for these construction projects to be finished and that we need it. And there's just never been a time in America where we've needed construction industry so much. Now's the time. I know when I got in it, I was pretty much pulled in it from people that just needed my skill because I knew how to do wooden framing and these guys didn't know how to do it. How do other people? Well, you got pulled in and it was slow pay. So it'd be hard for you to get back into federal contracting. So I would just say, guys, ask your bond agent if they know government contracting, they can help you out. Yeah. So lots of different types of jobs out there. It's not all just bridges, right? There's all kinds of stuff other than roads and bridges, right? (laughs) That's right. It's out there and it has to be done. And that's a beautiful thing about construction. Buildings get old, they fall down, infrastructure becomes unsafe. Look at how much money we spent on our bridge across the river when it became unsafe. There was no amount of money. It wasn't the state of Arkansas and the state of Tennessee constantly bickering over that bridge and the cost involved. Hey, it didn't matter. You got to pay it. Yeah. Shutting down traffic over that bridge, it cannot happen. They're even talking about building a third bridge now. It doesn't matter what it costs, guys. I mean, it, well, at some point it does, of course, but they're going to spend the money to do it. And their budget for that bridge, I don't know what it ended up costing, but they did it and it's back in the work and they deserved every penny of it. As a taxpayer, I hate the fact that they didn't plan ahead better, but you know, the bridge is open again. Yeah. So, oh yeah. Hey, that's all I have to say, unless y'all have any questions. Well, this is amazing. So we just find out, look at our website and contact Steven or anybody or your own bonding agent. If you're locked into one, there's so many opportunities out there to do this and grow that and maybe find a specialty, you know, in something. Talk to a friend that does a lot of federal contracting. If you're not competitors. Right, right, right. I've got clients that merged. They've joined forces together, people that met each other. And I had one client, they even, they had kids in grammar school together and they ended up forming a huge joint venture to do a bunch of work. One of them was doing FBI work and one of them was doing embassy work and they ended up forming together to do a thing from kindergarten. It's just crazy, but it ended up being an amazing partnership. So his skills that he had doing over here worked a little bit better for this guy who didn't have those skills. And it was amazing. So just yeah, talk it up, go to these things, be there, start showing up and being able to take advantage of these huge opportunities. There you go, guys. And look at our podcast on joint ventures too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I can't stress that enough because I know I felt like I couldn't do this. I had no idea how to enter in that. And I didn't actually go out seeking it really. I think I was 
asked in where I don't think I had to take initiative, but I don't think if I hadn't learned that, I wouldn't have ever figured it out. So uh, yeah. we didn't have the contractor success for him to tell us how to do that. <laughs> hey, you don't know what you don't know, guys. That's right. That's right. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. And Wade, thank you for showing up at your COVID station and staying secure and safe there at the home. I, you know, I wish we had set up a little cot for you. You could curl up on during. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, thanks for visiting the Contractor Success Forum, and we will see you on the next episode. Thanks. <laughs>